Hello. We're back again. Indeed. Um, you sound overjoyed. Uh, well, a little bit sombre today. I mean, we're still getting over the loss, aren't we? Yeah. But saying that, we're back. We're doing what we love. That's we're, what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Onwards and upwards. Um, really good guest today. Really, really interesting guy. Yeah, looking forward to this one. Um, I think this will give. I think we'll dig a little bit deeper. I can see this. Well, I can see there's some detail coming yeah, in there. From from the conversations we've had prior to recording, um, I can tell this guy knows his shit. <laughs> Big He's, boy shit. Yeah, we've 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 gone up a level here. Um, yeah, he, he's got he's got the writing background, hasn't he? It's that he it's the mindset, isn't it? So, should we tell him who it is? Probably should. Yeah, I mean, yeah. to be able to tell from the title, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening, you already know, don't you? But it's uh, Mr. Darren Richmond, and uh, he's known for, I guess, is it journalism, writing for the Independent, Telegraph, uh, a yeah. bit of sport, a bit of comedy, culture, um, culture, a lot of culture. Yeah. Blood, <laughs> bloody loves his culture. <laughs> Um, so we are expecting big things. He's a big, big office fan. Probably, I'm not going to say the biggest because that's subjective, isn't it? But yeah, Mr. Darren Richmond. I will not have her tunnel banded around this office willy-nilly. I can make that dream come true too, a.k.a. for you. Eat it out. There's people starving in the world, which I hate. Oh, love me. Pathetic. Hello then. Darren, how are you? Yeah, very well. How are you? <laughs> yeah, very good, thanks. We're uh, we're happy to have you on at long last. Uh, much appreciated for uh, for taking the time to speak to a couple of divs. So, uh, <laughs> appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. I think, um, generally, the first question we normally ask when we jump into these um super fan series i think is uh, is the official title um is ask you uh, to say what's your tipple obviously uh office based got to find out what you're what you're drinking lager sometimes cider <laughs> standard Big of course fan. the perfect answer um and have you had an agenda for today's podcast I have no agenda. Uh, I'm open to anything. No get an agenda. This is going to go swimmingly. He'll fit in here. (laughs) He'll brighten the place up. (laughs) Um, So I I suppose essentially uh, the first kind of section, I guess you'd call it. Um, So from your your point of view, have you got a favourite scene or a favourite episode um, or even just a favourite quote that you use day to day my favorite episodes um and i have something of a story to kind of go with it i think my favorite episode i think probably most people would say it but i'm not going to go hipster i'm just going <laughs> to say the truth which is it's training day in the first series yeah. um which i just think everything comes together perfectly I, I think i think it is a perfect sitcom but i think that episode is just completely transcendent is is one of the greatest things that's ever been on tv <laughs> and my story to go with it um is that so i am 35 now and the office first aired when i was in my teens obviously because it's nearly 20 years old now and i used to work as a saturday job i used to work for my grandfather just off oxford street he ran a stationery shop and i was completely obsessed from uh, 
if you, I, you know, possibly this has been discussed before on the podcast, but The Office, when it first aired, wasn't immediately massive, and they re-ran it within a few months, um, and then it got really big. Much more people watched it on the second airing. But mm. I happened to see in the paper that my parents got, it was like pick of the day, and it was, I believe it was August of um, 2001. And I thought, oh, I'll give this a go, and I'd never heard of them. Obviously, he'd done that Channel 4 chat show, uh, Gervais, but I'd never watched it. Um, like most people. Yeah, I don't think many people watch that. <laughs> no, no. I watched it afterwards as it happened when I was just devouring every single thing he'd done at that yeah, point. Yeah, me too. Um, and basically, um, I read in the paper that this was the pick of the day and I watched it on the first night it aired and I absolutely loved it. I taped it on VHS. I showed it to my mate and my cousin the next day. I remember I watched it twice in two days. I was really into it. And basically was completely into it from day one and then I went away for a bit and I got my dad to tape all of the episodes while I was away just immediately knew like this is definitely for me this is my kind of thing and basically about a year later I'm working at my grandfather's shop and I go and get some lunch and I'm walking along the street and Gervais is on the other side of the road and he's walking in these ridiculous skimpy little black running shorts (laughs) and a a pair of shades and at that point um obviously you guys will know as well if you were reading lots of interviews with him he was very awkward in the early years about kind of being recognized he found that very weird if you watch his thing with larry david he kind of talked larry says it's quite nice when people come over if they like your stuff and gervais doesn't quite agree with that and he doesn't really (laughs) like it i don't know how he feels now obviously he's you know a household name all over the world but at that point it was this strange moment where he'd done series one of the offers some utter dweebs like me knew who he was but he wasn't a household name so he's working on the other side of the road and fortunately as i say my grandfather was a stationer so i ran into the stationery shop i grabbed a pen and paper with my grandpa saying what are you doing what are you doing i said i'll tell you later and i ran and i just caught him as he was about to go into a building and i was like basically at the other end of the street and and i am not kind of like a confident person but i thought i've got to say something because this guy's basically my hero which he completely was at that point and i just screamed out ricky can i have your autograph please mate and he said yeah 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 one sec let me just hold the door open for this lady he holds the door open i sidle over and i think okay right i've got a show that i'm a sort of absolute fanatic here i'm not just someone who's seen someone famous and wants their autograph because his big thing was people just are obsessed with famous people but like this guy i mean meant so much to me so i said to him they were on like a brief hiatus on xfm from their shows so i said to him oh uh, when are the xfm shows coming back like immediately i'm not just an office fan mate i'm into the radio (laughs) and he says to me oh yeah we're hoping to be back soon blah 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 we're getting a bit of a conversation he signs this thing to me and then I'm sort of, uh, I said, when's series two coming out? Because I knew it had been commissioned and that it was going to happen. And he said, actually, I'm just in this building editing it. So I said, oh, amazing. And then I thought, okay. And I made reference to the episode, which I've told you is my favorite. I said, oh, will you be getting the guitar out this series? (laughs) And he said, I won't be getting the guitar out, but I will be doing a bit of dancing. Oh, and amazing. then he let out that cackle. So <laughs> he's sort of like pissing himself and he mentions his dance. So I basically 
get back to the office. It's in the early days of text messaging. I text all my mates. I say, I've just run into Ricky Gervais, and I'm telling you now, there's going to be a great bit in the new series with some dancing. And obviously, every single week that passes, and I think it's even the fifth episode of series two, I remember it being towards the end of the series. Yeah, it's late. And just like every single week, it's like, it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. Like, has it been edited? Am I just going to look like a dick and no one's going to believe I ever met him? (laughs) And then obviously the moment happens and becomes the single most famous moment from the show. Um, So yeah, there you go. That is... That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> that, what a claim to fame! Like there you go. It just had. It was like an onion. So many yeah. layers. The uh, the the on hands to get the paper. The yeah. the ability to get that nice and quickly. The exactly. nugget about the dancing. That's fantastic. I mean, imagine knowing that all the way through series two, and no all one has got through. that layer of um, expectation or kind of viewing pleasure from it with that anticipation imagine of the dance the coming imagine the smugness when you see <laughs> that that comes on the TV and you just text your mates told you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't remember if I did that me and Ricky me now in telling the story there is one aspect that I didn't realise until this moment which is that I can feasibly say my family's always been involved in paper there you go <laughs> yeah well I, I have, I have what written, happened to the shop I've written down actually um, it's a shame you haven't stolen post-it notes because already there was some thieving going on. Yeah. And it's, it's a shame it wasn't the paper shop until it blew away. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got the paper from in there, so it could easily be referred to as such. I love it. I think it's an interesting point you make about Ricky, though, in the um, in those that time. I mean, I, I listened back quite a lot to the XFM shows. I mean, it was one of the first things, probably, that I was sort of a fanatic about of, uh, of Ricky's. Um and you can tell in there he's got two goals really which is to make Carl famous because he knows how uncomfortable it is and um, and he he seems like he's still sort of this sort of normal bloke who's not really that arsed by anyone he's yeah. I mean he turns up drunk to some of those shows doesn't he and he's uh, it's I don't know those sort of early days of fame are probably the best so that must have been maybe more difficult than if you bumped into him now I think you'd probably be more yeah, more expectant of it I remember him saying, I can't remember if he said it in an interview, uh, he may have said it on the XFM shows as well, because I'm actually, even though I sort of listened to them when they went out, I've never obsessively listened to them afterwards, like, there's probably some I have never even heard, which I know is blasphemous and I should do, <laughs> but I, I'm sure he said in an interview at one point that like the strange thing about fame was he's always been sort of a guy who likes going down the pub, and he would always, like, if the music was too loud, tell him, oh, do you mind turning it down? And he said like he did it once and people sort of said oh well he's changed and it's like he'd always done that he'd always yeah. been a sort of grumpy old man who liked you know it not to be too loud in the pub and suddenly he realized that the perception changes of you and that's the weird thing which i guess is sort of partly what series two of extras is about yeah massively I mean, we that. have we have that problem don't we <laughs> well yeah uh, in you, <laughs> yeah. and in, in all fairness i mean i don't want this to get about us but you have changed <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh but yeah, I think, uh, and you you mentioned extras there. I think that whole bit about obviously people are just famous for being famous sake. He he never wanted to just be famous, did he? He wanted to be known for someone who 
created sort of great stuff and if the if the fame came alongside that then so be it i think i think that's probably he, he more make, the mindset he makes that point in one of his stand-ups doesn't he he says if you if all you're interested in is fame then go out and murder a lot of people <laughs> yeah tell a yeah. prostitute yeah, yeah. exactly uh, they, you know. because he, he i think he said that you know that a bunch of he used to say in interviews as well that sort of like kids were asked what do you want to be when you grow up and they wouldn't say astronaut actor writer that they, they'd say famous famous yeah, yeah. so like that isn't something to aspire to be that's kind of like a byproduct of something you know if you've achieved something i suppose but Absolutely. yeah that, that is a kind of strange thing and it is something you can see that he's sort of struggled to deal with i think in in some ways but i think he's all right with it now i think yeah. 80 million quid would probably do that wouldn't yeah, it mate, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you could literally just kind of box yourself in from anyone with that, <laughs> that, that sort of cash can you yeah, yeah that's, that's good money. <laughs> <laughs> i think that's um I don't know if we're going to get a better story than that from any of our super fans. So you're certainly it's up gonna, there for that one. It's going to take some beating. Yeah, that's, that's, Thank that's you. Would you like to meet him now? Talking to uh, to you there, Steve. What are your thoughts on meeting your heroes? Has he got too big? I think I'd have preferred to meet him back then. Yeah, I think I think now it's almost he's that famous that I mean I, I wouldn't be necessarily against him completely mugging me off. <laughs> uh, I think he'd be quite quite funny if I asked him for an interview and he told me I was a cunt and told me to piss off I think I'd, I'd probably think, I'd probably find that funny but the, the, the strange thing be true is to form, it? <laughs> a, a, about a, a year after that um, so this would be I think it was about October 2002 um Virgin Megastore still existed on Oxford Street. So you're talking pretty much the exact area where, where my grandfather's shop was. And they did a, a, a signing for Series 2, for the release of Series 2 on DVD. And it was like very much the early days of DVDs. In fact, I think Series 1 was the first DVD I owned and they did this signing for series two and I had no school that day I think we were broken up for exam leave and I headed into town I remember it really really well because it was the same day that the Strokes released their second album and those were like my two favourite things basically um, <laughs> you know like they, they, they were both releasing their second whatever it was series and album and I bought this thing from um, Virgin Megastore Oxford Street and I still have the DVDs now basically the signing was um Ricky Gervais, Martin Freeman, Lucy Davis, Ewan McIntosh, and Mackenzie Crook. It was the five of them wow. sat there. And I would always credit, I ran into um, a couple of old schoolmates who I wasn't like, I was never that close to. But I saw them there, and they were also in the queue, and we started chatting. And when we got to the front of the queue, um, we noticed that the thing was being filmed. I don't know why, presumably just for posterity, but on like a sort of like a almost like a sharp view cam, like a crappy camera, <laughs> it was being filmed by Stephen Merchant. And because Stephen Merchant wasn't, you know, the Stephen Merchant he'd be a few years later with extras, like he wasn't that, no, like we knew he was the Og Monster and he was on the radio, but again, he wasn't a household name. And my my mate who I hadn't seen for, for a while who went to school with me said, I... Um, I, I want to ask him to sign it as well. Like, I've got these five, but I feel, you know, I feel, you know, kind of, he's a bigger deal than you and Macintosh in terms of the office. You know, you could argue he's the sort of second biggest deal in terms of the office. Yeah. Um, he said, Definitely. I'm going to go over and ask him. Um, it wasn't 2002. Any eagle eyed listeners, that doesn't <laughs> make sense. Uh, it was 2003. I think it was October 2003. Um, 
And yeah, we went over and he seemed really surprised to be asked that anyone would care. And actually it caused a little thing where loads of people after us then went over and asked him to sign as well. So I now have with me, and I brought my season one as well. I couldn't resist. And they were clearly a bit grumpy about it because you were meant to just get the season two that you just bought. I don't know why I keep saying season. It's series. <laughs> um, so I got, I got them to do series two. And then I said, oh, do you mind doing my series one as well? So I have uh, my series one and two signed up there on the shelf. Which Unbelievable. Of in a little while. That's amazing that's um to get to get steve that's a great shout from uh from your mate there that's uh, yeah he did though. really well it was a really really sensible move because yeah <laughs> you, you want him on there yeah that is as well as you quite rightly said massive massive part of the show and almost um probably un, well he is definitely underrated by definition but um but yeah yeah clearly was responsible for a hell of a lot when you see the difference between the film and uh and the series itself it's it's a shame um a little recognition he gets amongst the general public. You know you've got your your office fans that that know in depth about the show and and what have you. And when you look back, a lot of people if they're not particularly close to the the show, they'll say, "Oh, do you remember that thing Ricky Gervais did?" And it 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 does feel a little bit of a shame that he's not credited as much. I know he wasn't in the show, so he's not as visual, but yeah, he had such a big part in it. Absolutely right. I mean, I think that the strange thing is, and I remember thinking this at the time, um, Ricky will often use first person singular when he talks about it. He'll say, when I wrote The Office, when I did this. And I find that quite a strange thing to say, like not to say when I co-wrote or when we wrote, which would seem like the more obvious thing to do. And I don't think he's doing it like in a snide way, but it does seem a slightly strange thing to me. But I think very often, as you say, for for people like us who are comedy nerds and watch these things over and over again, we get a sense of how much goes into it and how many people are behind it. But for a lot of people, I mean, even if you took, you know, I mean, one of my other absolute favourites, 40 Towers, most people don't talk about Connie Booth's contri- uh, contribution. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is someone who is also one of the leads in the show as well. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like Stephen Merchant who's in it for one scene. This is someone who's in every episode. Um but it just feels like because everyone remembers Basil Forty and Basil Forty hits the car uh, in exactly the same way as David Brent does the dance, it's it's just sort of synonymous with these people. And, you know, Brent is, for all of the great characters in that show and how beautifully written it is, it is David Brent that is the thing that is will, will be best known about that show forever because he is the sort of beating heart of it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. As a writer yourself, does that... Um... Is there, I don't know, is there some kind of in the industry difficulties with that and uh, the fact that you're, I guess you're never really going to get the full credits. It's always how it's performed out and once it's kind of out of that paper, that's it. Is the real reward the knowledge of a good bit of work? Oh, you'd hope so, but you want want to be stopped in the street, right? I I think it was quite sweet that, that obviously with the next show that Merchant was the breakout star. 
that Merchant was winning acting prizes and mm-hmm. actually extras is real. You know, I would argue, you know, if Brent is the thing everyone remembers about The Office, you could probably make a case that Darren Lamb is what people remember about extras. Yeah. Um, the, 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 because obviously Gervais has had his career-defining role a few years before with The Office, and actually Andy Millman isn't as interesting a character as David Brent, uh, I don't think. But, but Darren Lamb is, is like a really kind of amazing, complete comedy performance. You know, very sort of outlandish and out there. Um, so I, I suspect that Stephen Merchant is probably not too displeased with the way it's all gone. And also I've noticed something else, which is that... I don't know whether you guys feel this, but I kind of have noticed that among people who are in the know and do know about comedy and writing and stuff and about The Office, it's now become kind of in vogue to say, well, Merchant was the true genius behind it. And actually, I I personally don't think either of those things are true. I think they clearly worked brilliantly together and at a moment in time, they did something that was flawless and captured everything perfectly i mean it's, it is an absolute sort of yeah. snapshot of an office in the early noughties every single performance is perfect the writing's perfect and i think you know while it is undeniable that ricky gervais has done some pretty ropey work since i don't think <laughs> Stephen merchant has done like you know unmitigated masterpieces since well, this... I, you know th- th- i think like he they both kind of done things i haven't particularly enjoyed their last project together life's too short i could barely get through um so so i personally don't see it as just oh well the one who is less well known it was actually the real genius behind it i just think at one point they came together and did something perfect and that's fine yeah i think that's that's definitely right was it steve Brody who said um who played brent's agent yeah. who uh said it was merchant who kind of was the the key driver of like the pace of the show and was able to sort of ma- uh, manage that really well. And uh, I think obviously then you've got Gervais's sort of just general flair, I guess. And that just, as you say, just came together. Much more, yeah. I think it's much more instinctual with Gervais. Like if you watch the behind the scenes <laughs> stuff, it seems to be Stephen Merchant who's at the typewriter. Yeah. But I would guess that, you know, a lot of Brent comes from, Gervais and a lot of like improvising and just he can be that character for hours on end which is you know no mean thing but yeah I, you know Stephen Merchant I mean listening to his Desert Island Discs recently it's clear he was the much more trained of the two he was the one who had done the work and worked for the BBC and said let's shoot something I think you know Ricky Gervais would just have carried on for ages doing what he was doing and would have been happy at a radio station and happy whatever really and i always think i I mean my my other sort of all-encompassing comedy obsession is um seinfeld you know that that is my favorite american show of all time the office is my favorite british show of all time and i do think there's this weird similarity where you get the sort of more sensible person um you know which is jerry seinfeld in the case of seinfeld and Stephen merchant in the case of the office who's sort of pushing someone who's a little bit older um to to kind of do this thing and i think it really helped in both cases that they were both sort of 40 they were both around 40 i think Larry David possibly even older but I think he was about 40 when Seinfeld started and they both felt and I've heard 
both of them say this, that they didn't really mind if it didn't work. Like they got to 40 and they were perfectly happy with what they were doing. So they weren't really going to take much shit in terms of <laughs> notes or how things should change and it should be like this and it should be like that. And I think going in with that kind of power is amazing. You know, Stephen Merchant was in his, what, he was like 27, I think. So if you're going in at that age, you might be inclined to say, oh, well, whatever they say, we'll change it because we want to get it on the TV. It'd yeah, be amazing. Too. I mean, I, I co-wrote something about 10 years ago when I would have been like, well, I was 25 um, and it got very, very close to happening with Channel 4. And we had this amazing cast with Kevin Eldon and Jessica Hines and all these great people who I love. And we basically put back down on everything. Like me and my mate, we were in our mid-twenties. We couldn't believe our luck. We were writing something and we were doing it with Channel 4. And we basically kind of took every single note they gave us and said, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. <laughs> and I don't, you know, it didn't quite become when the whistle blows, but I definitely <laughs> think if one of us had been 40 years old and had done proper jobs and had been around a bit, we might not have sort of acquiesced as quickly as I guess we did. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And, and absolutely, yeah, I think most would do the same in that position, I'm sure you you kind of ultimately, I guess it's for telly, isn't it? And you take their their word absolutely. I know I certainly would. I'd sell yeah. out. Yeah, definitely. I'd get straight on it. <laughs> it's, it's interesting we're talking about Merchant um, and Gervais working together and their their different projects and things like. That. And I've recently just discovered on Sky again. I've having watched it when it first came out. Hello, ladies, and I've binged on that this week. Did you get? Have you have you seen that? I have seen Hello Ladies, yeah, yeah. yeah what did I, you think? Uh, I would say of let's let's call kind of the office and the ex and the office and extras their golden age. I would say Hello Ladies is probably my next favourite project that any of them have been involved. It's very with. good. It's very funny. Yeah, it is good. Like I don't think it's perfect. I think it's quite it's very clearly got quite an extras vibe. Like you do feel a little bit like, especially in the first one where he sort of, you know, breaks the table and everything. It, it really <laughs> feels like an extras moment, but I, you know, I, I think it's really decent. Like I, I would not probably rush to watch it again, but I certainly think it's a decent bit of work. It's a, it's a great little time waster. That's the way I've been. I've been sort of <laughs> yeah, viewing I think, that's fair. I think they a, put that on the box. Yeah. Great little time waster. <laughs> It's it's a sort it's a sort of thing I can have on Netflix while I'm cooking dinner or something. You know, <laughs> while you're not paying any attention. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, just... the, the, the pity for me, um, especially um, with Ricky, is that every time he has a new project to promote, um, whatever it is. Uh, obviously, you know, most recently Afterlife, which I must confess I have not watched one second of, so I can't judge it, but I, I can go on what I suspect and what I've heard about it. But he always does this thing that Noel Gallagher always does, and you see, like, people in bands are constantly doing, which is he'll always say, this is the best thing I've ever done. I'm so proud of this. Yeah. I'm more proud of this than anything else I've ever done. I always think, like, the best thing you can do here is um, sort of, like, copy what Joseph Heller did. So he was the writer who wrote Catch-22, and he was asked for the rest of his career, why have you not written anything as good as Catch-22? That was his first book. And he said, who has? Yeah. And I always think, I just love him to turn around and say, you know, if they ask him, what, you know, what he thinks of it, I just wish he'd basically admit the office is his masterpiece, and that's fine. 
Like, there's nothing wrong with that. And we'd all love him to say that. And it just seems this strange thing to even pretend that this thing he's put on Netflix, which you can see is going to be kind of like mawkish and sentimental. And I'm sure it's got decent moments, but I just can't understand how he could possibly think this thing that has completely permeated our culture, The Office. You know, people like us, and we're not, there's not even like this few of us there's so many of us our, our kind of entire vocabulary our body language the way we <laughs> communicate with each other is through quotes from this program that you know aired 19 years ago and he's going to tell us that this thing he's put on netflix is the best thing he's ever done no i completely no. agree i don't think you can say it you just <laughs> yeah. can't articulate how we how uh, that's almost like therapy to me hearing yeah. those two and that, that is just <laughs> so true of how we live literally it's it's in our it's 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 just there isn't it it's in the personality that reminds me it's not forced it's just there it's something that always gets me and it's it's not related at all it's it's boxing related essentially but every fighter before their fight they get asked how was your training camp and they always (laughs) say it's best training camp i've ever had and that that is exactly true that's slightly different though they're about to go and knock someone's face in they need to be (laughs) in that mindset They do it with the football as well. You know, the new manager comes. Yeah. It doesn't matter who it is. When Moyes took over at United, it was like, oh, it's so, so positive. You know, it's constantly, and, and exactly the same actually with the training camps at the World Cup. You know, we found out afterwards in South Africa, like Capello wasn't letting them have their phones and they were being treated like kids and they had to go to bed at eight o'clock and they hated <laughs> it. But I remember them being interviewed at halftime. You know, they'd show you on the BBC, oh, earlier, whoever, Gabriel Clark, no, that's ITV, but, you know, was at the training. <laughs> Camp, and they were saying so positive we've never had a world cup like this we're feeling so good about our chances and that is there is just this weird inclination to just say whatever's happening in the present is the best moment and uh yeah i mean as as you know we were saying it's it's just this thing is such a huge part of so i don't i actually don't think that either of them can have a sense of what a big part of the kind of popular consciousness it is you know, I think in the way that maybe only Alan Partridge and Forty Towers have sort of kind of resonated in the way that that has. And actually, this even more so. I think this has more quotable moments, more little phrases. And I know I have this thing, which I'm, I know that you two have, which is that I, I have got better over the years at being able to turn it on and off. It used to be <laughs> for about five years ago, I saw my sister yesterday and her husband's just watched it. So we were talking about it because I finally got him to watch it. And I, she was saying, you know, so when I when it came out and I would have been 17, 18, and she's five years younger than me, you know, she knows the opening monologue off by heart. And she's probably only watched it once because I did it so often. <laughs> but now I realise I have the ability, this is the kind of growth I've had, that... It's now when I meet someone new and discover that they are one of these people and they're in this club and they know it. They're not just they don't just quite like The Office or they've watched The Office and enjoyed it. When you realise, hey, this is someone who's watched this show like twenty plus times, I can just get into a mode where I speak pretty much just in the phrases and just like tailor tailor them towards the conversation we're having just modifying this sort of slight thing um yeah. but there was a period where it was just non-stop to anyone whether they knew the office <laughs> or not uh, probably from about 17 to 25 we mentioned this in one I of our previous podcasts yeah. i think it was with john <laughs> and um it was essentially it's it's an it's an automatic test as to whether you know you're going to like someone or not is whether they <laughs> like the office or not. And it's, it's yeah. almost like 
it's very laddie, but you know, you, you get you might meet uh, a friend's boyfriend or something like that, and one of the one of the first questions is, oh, okay, so uh, what team do you support or who's your team or something like that. If you find out they're a football fan, excellent. You can talk to them about something on their level at some point. But you find out someone's an office fan. To me, that's exactly the same. Yeah, and like you definitely. say, you can right. you can almost just have a conversation, just bouncing backwards and forwards between office quotes. Um, well, some it, of, some of the threads on Twitter that that we get. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like something will happen. We'll retweet it with with the first line of a conversation, and then it just everyone just takes over, and that scene plays <laughs> out digitally, <laughs> and it's brilliant. Yeah. And you know it's going to happen, but every time it just doesn't get old, and it's. Oh, you, you see it from genius. you see it from the Hitchmo group where they're literally taking like an expression that a character has in one scene that you've barely even thought about, and you know that is getting hundreds of likes. You know, it, it, it's beyond just like quoting a big bit from the show. Now it, you're realizing that this is a group of people who have watched something so many times. I mean, I'm not sure anything has the rewatchability value of The Office. Like, I'd probably say. You know, the other shows I absolutely adore, like Seinfeld, Curb, The Sopranos, like I mm. love those shows. I've watched them very many times, but I'm not quite sure, sort of quotability wise and rewatchability wise. I'm, I don't think there's something I've watched more than The Office. I think, and it, I think yeah. sorry, I think, I think because it's only two series, I think that helps it massively because yes. things like, like with, with Curb Your Enthusiasm, brilliant, absolutely amazing, but 10 series now, I've don't think I would have the time now to go back and watch from series Duh. one. Yeah. But to, no, 100%. To, to do... and, and it also came along at exactly the right age for us, I suppose, as well. There's sort of an element of it, it just it captured something perfectly at that time. And also, I think what is a slightly sort of a kind of underappreciated in it, and I've heard, um, I, I think both of the writers I've heard talk about this, is that you sort of like... I think they said you tune in for Brent, but you sort of stay watching for Tim and Dawn. You know, mm. when you watch it, it also has a real kind of warmth and a feel-good factor. You know, if you watch those, um, the two parts of the Christmas special as one kind of sort of 90-minute-odd rom-com, like, that's basically the best British film of the last 25 years. And it's incredibly heartwarming, and it's filled with beautiful moments, and not not just Tim and Dawn kissing, you know, him telling Finch to fuck off is incredible, like an incredible moment. Yeah. And, you know, Brent sort of finding love as well, like it has a very upbeat, positive conclusion. I mean, you know, the, the thing that probably angered me the most about the film was just the fact that it existed. There was no need for it. We were left with, we don't know, like maybe Tim and Dawn, it doesn't work out. Maybe in a couple of years they split up, but like in our heads, I'd still do they it. go off together. And, and you know, um, Brent goes off with, the, you know, the lady he's met in the Christmas special and Finch has been told to fuck off. Like, they, there's nothing more to say. And, and literally the final line of the show, he says, have you got everything you need? Cheers. And that's <laughs> it. That, that is the final thing he says. And then, what, we're watching him go and do some gigs with his mates. Um, which, I, I mean, I don't hate the film. I just don't know why it exists. It's definitely a cash grab, isn't it? It's definitely, I think Ricky's thought, right, I want to be a rock star. I'm going to release an album and I'll kind of tie in a film around it. That's the impression I got anyway. Like you say, it's not necessary. And he almost said, well, I've heard him in, in several interviews since The Office say that 
when he's asked about could they do another re you know another series or something he said we mustn't he said it's perfect the way it is we can't and it was always stressed in the interviews i saw about the film is that this isn't an extension of the office it is it lives in its own universe but it's impossible to distance the two because it's the same character 100% yeah, exactly. and I think that he was so <clears throat> far removed by that point from having worked in an office you know I, even working in an office now it's so recognizable there are things that have changed but the kind of characters and the types and yet in the in the um in the film and I've only watched it once but like the sort of bully character in the film I just think he'd be sacked in five seconds. Like, I don't yeah. recognise anyone in an office I've worked in who's anything like that, who behave in that kind of way now. Chris Finch, I think you could get away with it because I think things were a bit different then. I do think, you know, society's changed quite a lot in the last 20 years, but he, Ricky Gervais, hasn't really been part of that. He's gone off and he's gone to Hollywood and he's fixed his teeth and he's become a movie star. <laughs> yeah. um, Whereas, like, when you're, you know, when he was making that, he was only a few years out of working, you know, proper office jobs. He, he knew what it was like, and st so did Stephen Merchant. And, and now it's just sort of, I guess, his vague recollection of what he thinks an office would be like in the sort of, whenever Absolutely. it was, 2017, I don't know, I can't even remember now. Yeah. Well, that's a great um, segue into a next uh, another regular question we always ask the guests is to um, basically try and find out a bit about your office experiences and whether you have a very similar kind of boring job I guess have you ever had that experience um so apart from the stationery yeah <laughs> apart from the stationery no that, that was actually quite a fun job um I worked for Harrow Council for a few months um when I was young which was like the sort of most soul-destroying, boring office job I've ever had. <laughs> um, more regularly, I've worked at newspapers. Um, so I currently do a couple of days a week at The Independent. I used to work at The Telegraph for a bit. I mean, I've done a lot of freelancing. But my experience of those offices, I think, you know, it's, it's not that kind of equatable. Uh, I don't think newspapers are that similar. But I recognise those types much more i would say you know it came out when i was at school and like i say i was immediately like i completely got it and i got the types i remember we had a geography teacher and there's a thing that god it's weird how much it comes back to me when i talk about it <laughs> but he's but um they say in on one of the dvds on the extras that like you would always have a teacher who they sort of compare to to brent who would be sort of like, you'd say, oh, sir, um, you got Harley Davidson right, and then the rest of the lesson's wasted because they're talking about their Harley Davidson. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. we, we didn't have that comparison because there was no teacher that drove a Harley Davidson, but I remember doing that. Like, I, I can remember teachers that just, you know, as they, as Gervais always said, like, confusing popularity with respect. Mm -hmm. And so you get them off topic, you know, we don't want to be doing the work, and they probably don't particularly want to be doing the work of teaching either, or some of them. <laughs> So we just got them off topic. So I think more than anything, the, like the fact that it's an office is is almost moot. It doesn't really matter because I think it's those character types. They are so recognisable. Like I have met Keiths. I have met Chris Finches. I mean, like Chris Finch is such a sort of... Um, that is such an English character to me. I know that they had a sort of equivalent in the American version, but 
he is such an English type. Like when I watch that Christmas special and Brent sort of tries to needle him about Leeds and he says, what would you know about it? When was the last time you went to a game? I mean, like I've never seen a TV show have something like that. That mm-hmm. is such a real thing that someone would get irritated and offended that you've taken the piss out of their football team and start questioning whether you have a right because you don't go to enough games. Like I, I know neither of them are particularly into football. I don't know where that's come from, but that is so true to life and just a tiny moment like not a funny moment not a classic moment but just i think with all of the characters they have just absolutely nailed all of them i think that's so true yeah and, and it definitely transcends across all workplaces i think that's definitely something we've tapped into or tried to with um with just yeah just getting people's like passive aggressive signs at work yeah. and things like that and just that that kind of general sort of level of um vibe that is uh, your your family, I think Tim says it, doesn't he? You know, you you spend more time with these people uh, eight hours a day on the same piece of carpet than you do with your family, um, 100%. and trying to get that from everyone's experiences with their, with their own work family, I guess, is uh, has been fun. Um, but yeah, I think you've you've absolutely nailed it. What what do you think of the American Office, by the way? Um, I quite liked it. I, I you know I feel like. It is one of these weird things where, you know, some people feel like you have to hate it if you're a massive English Office fan. Um, I never, so I watched it when it aired, and I must admit, I gave up in the penultimate season. Um, I can say season this yeah. time because it is American. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I, I remember there was one where Robert California had a pool party, and I i was watching it and i was like playing doodle jump or something on my phone and just <laughs> I, I, I wasn't even watching it properly anymore and i was just like i why am i doing this every week i'm not watching this anymore and then annoyingly they then announced that the next series was the last and i kind of thought oh i wish i hadn't given up i was so close yeah. <laughs> I just for years on end but i think it's good like i think it has really good stuff in it i think i think if you take it as not related at all as its own its own show, its own kind of entity, then uh, then I think it's, yeah, it's all right, isn't it? I've not watched enough yeah. of it to form a, a particularly valid opinion. There's, they, I've, I've seen a few few episodes and, yeah, they're, they're okay. I, I find but, it, um, I find it interesting with people that lord over the office about how great it is and how it's nailed the characters and it's nailed the Englishness of it. Exactly what we've just celebrated, but we then slag off the American one, having no experience of an American workplace and then saying about how <laughs> yeah. yeah, where there might be I Americans know, going, do you know what? they've nailed it. That is the thing that they do really well. That actually the equivalent of David Brent in America would be a little bit better looking. He would be a little bit more invested in the office yeah. working well. Like They don't have a culture of people sort of doing jobs they hate for years and years and moaning about them and thinking it's rubbish. I mean, I would say to anyone who's listening um, who has sort of like dipped into the American office or is tempted to try it, I would say, and I'm, this is probably fairly well known, but the first season is not great and kind of stick with it because the first season, they are kind of, it's much closer to the English one and it doesn't quite work. Yeah. And the pilot is basically a remake of the first yeah. episode. The first, the, I think it was the pilot that I initially watched, and I, I kind of thought this is absolutely terrible. It, di- it didn't, it didn't transfer for me at all. Is no, it, no, no, that that is fair. It's exactly the same as um, you know a good friend of the show, James Buckley, with the Inbetweeners, and when they when they tried to uh, do the American one, and the the first episode for that, I, I believe, was 
almost an exact replica of it and it again it was terrible and there's no no surprise it got cancelled so it goes no, goes and, to show and here they just completely rebooted yeah. it um by season two and yeah you just can't do that it's not as simple as that because there are such massive cultural differences that we have absolutely yeah 100 percent. so yeah i always find it interesting when uh there's this kind of abhorrence and hatred towards uh, towards the show when your reason for liking it is something that is celebrated so much about its Englishness so to speak um, so moving on to uh, a regular feature we do obviously I think we have quite a little bit of uh, interaction on Twitter so you might have seen this before you may have even taken part um, but we do Brent Against Humanity so the well-known Cards Against Humanity um, family game for Christmas um, <laughs> gets uh, an office twist. So we essentially pick a phrase and then instead of filling in the blank with something truly offensive, we ask our followers to find an office quote or an office-ism to uh, finish the phrase. So we will test you with one we've put out tonight, which says, uh, uh, when Pharaoh remained unmoved, Moses called down a plague of blank. Anything <laughs> instinctive that comes to mind there from uh, from the office, and that is what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Desperately tumbling there. Sorry, it's, 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 I quite like that. It's done well. That's good. It's simple but effective. And that, is <laughs> that is actually very true to how I think Brent would say it as well. Yeah. Moses called down a plane yeah, off. And that's why I want. Statement, I guess, is he's put it somewhere where it doesn't belong, and so have I. Yeah, no, it's that. That is, ah, oh, yeah. We'll cut that bit out because I think that that sums up the genius. There's a, there's a, you're on the wavelength. Yeah, that's good. Some Very of good. some of the good ones we've had, I think, generally we get uh, pretty much. There's about four or five phrases that fit every single one out there. Yeah. Um, but Swindon, little slugs with no personality. That's, that's quite a good. Little guy. Plague of that's little slugs. brain. He's done well there. Good shout. Uh, Fiona at Fiegel. She's a regular on this one. Dead mother's breasts. Very good. Imagine a plague of breasts. Oh, dead mother's breasts. Dead mother's breasts as well. Yeah, that wouldn't be an ideal plague. Um, Dunsman's had a decent um, shout. Lager sometimes cider. I wouldn't mind a plague of, of lager. That sounds a bit laddie. Yeah. Lager, <laughs> Um, I think this is my favourite and probably going to be the winner um, from Common Sense Moth Gary Smith um, redundancies you won't get infected you won't get infected you know you won't get infected <laughs> so yeah topical as well with coronavirus uh, yeah. sweeping the world so good work good guys <laughs> yeah that's um, but keep in touch with those if you are uh, an office quota and you want to uh get a chance to kind of test your knowledge or um or or show everyone just you know how i guess what what's the best word to describe it how oh, i can't even think of what the word is now it's that it's that niche that's what i'm thinking yeah. how niche you can go that's that's what we're looking for um those real nth degree uh, quotes but yeah i think i don't know maybe darren maybe you were the winner on that <laughs> it's difficult i like the simplicity of it yeah that's... and the speed the speed was solid <laughs> as well if that's true, so <laughs> Well, I think we've got to that point now where it's what everyone, every one of our guests comes on for, yes. for weeks before. This this is the, the highlight for them. And we're going to play the real quiz. 
Now, from the, from our chat and how in-depth and how much of a fan of not only the show, but Ricky and everything else, um, I'm quite glad yeah, well, in a well, way. Watch, watch me, me bottle it. <laughs> well, I, I need to... I, I think I might need to put a proviso on this. Steve is the quiz master generally, and this is the, the biggest and best he's ever gone. This is the toughest quiz I've seen him put together. Th- so th- that, that, is a, that is a kind of a compliment in its own right. He's obviously got good belief yeah, in Yeah, there's, there's, there's a mutual respect there. Um, I do feel like when you ever watch Two Wants to Be a Millionaire or Weakest Link, when they're always like, oh, when I'm watching at home, I get them all right. And then, you know, I've listened to the podcast. I've pretty much known the answers most of the time. And I know now I'm on this, I'm going to embarrass myself. <laughs> It's the, Let's see what it's the pressure. Yeah. Sometimes it's not about who knows the most, it's about yeah. who can handle the pressure. You know? it. It's like it's like football, isn't it? It's not who's got the best team, it's who can handle the occasion. That's pretty <laughs> true. And this is a big occasion. Never been a penalty taker either for those reasons. Oh, here we go then. There we go. Right. right, what's question one? Question one. Uh, what does Gareth blame for his order not totaling up correctly? The calculator. Anything specific? Oh, more specific? A uh, circuitry. Yeah, we'll give, we'll give you that. We we knew what you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. We do. We just needed the phrase. Um, okay, so this is a kind of a two-part question. Um, what does Lee say Dawn would get out, and for how much? Uh, milkers for a tenner. <laughs> yes, very good. <laughs> two out of two. Um, milkers. <laughs> this is brilliant. <laughs> Um, just a sub, a subsequent or a supplementary question. Favorite word for boobs? <laughs> it's hard to top milkers, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's that's up there, isn't it? Milkers is good. <laughs> um, question three: What is the name of the guy that David says does the best Ali G impression? Oh, oh, right, okay. This guy does the best Ali G impression. Um. Is it, is it Raj? Oh, it's close. Oh, it, it's it's Sanj. It's not him, it's the other one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, Sanj, of course. That, of that, course. that is a tough question. That was it's, tough. It, it's, it's so unimportant in that scene. Yeah. So, yeah, fair play. So that, that's, I don't think many people would pull that out of the bag. <laughs> um, okay, number four. Uh, what are the repeats that Keith doesn't find boring to watch? Peak practice. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. What a show. Peak practice. Back on track. Um, okay, question five. What is Gareth doing to raise money on Red Nose Day? Um, he's hopping around on one foot. Yes. <laughs> He's flying. He's absolutely flying. It's good. It's very good. <laughs> the belief has been repaid. <laughs> I thought I thought after I got one wrong it was all gonna go to pieces, but I've maintained my composure. <laughs> trying to keep my head in this. <laughs> um the this one I I definitely wouldn't have got. I'd like to put that out there straight away. Um okay. so who writes the poem Slough that Brent recites at the end of series one, episode five? Sir John Betjeman. Oh. oh, that's incredible. That's top. That's top notch. As a little side note, there, um, in the original, probably not now, but in the original DVDs that you bought, they had that printed on the inside, which I thought was a nice touch. Oh, that is a good shout. I'm very impressed with that. You've done that. 
There you go. Is it right? You want to give you an extra mark to make yeah. up for <laughs> <laughs> It's sort of like a nod, nod to fellow, well, that, fellow writer. That was you know? the reason I put it in there. Exactly. You know. Um, and I very much see myself on a par with Sir John Bertram. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Question seven. What yep. is the song playing as Brent enters the end of your party after lying to Malcolm? Oh, God. Right, okay. I can picture him perfectly. <laughs> He's coming through that ridiculous way, sort of like crouching down, flailing <laughs> to the sides. Oh, what song is playing? Oh, there's so many songs in that scene. It's right. A it's a tough one. The song playing is... No, I don't think I'm going to get it. No, it is S Club 7, S Club Party. Of course it is. S of course Club. it is. Oh, it's only because... It wasn't close. Oh, no. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> I know for a fact that you've put that in there because that's one of our... That's probably the one that's on trend with us at the moment. That, that we're doing the little dance yeah. running away from the <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it's oh, it's definitely great. definitely one of my favourite quotes. That just is so simple, but it's so effective. Oh, it's just yeah. And then <laughs> the little look and his, the joy on his face oh, <laughs> that he's got out of it is brilliant. Uh, okay, question eight. This is a. Uh, it's a question where I'm, I want two out of three of the answers. Okay. So I want you to name two of Brent's three fantasy working lunch guests. Oh, okay. So I think he has Rory Bremner. He does. That's one. I need a little bell. Ding. <laughs> now, this is tricky. I reckon Nelson Mandela. Ooh. Not Nelson Mandela. Okay, do I get another guess? Yeah, it's it's not the first one to shout it out. Just (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay, so he says we're going to be doing impressions probably of us. Why that's the only one I remember, I don't know. (laughs) But it's definitely someone kind of, I think, someone worthy like Nelson Mandela who he wants to be seen that he'd have in there. It's very close. Uh, right, okay, who would be on the uh. I don't think it is this, but I'm going to throw it out anyway. Mother Teresa. <laughs> you, you've, you've, kind of, you've kind of almost bisected the sort of people that it would be. You've got it's Martin Luther King and the Dalai oh, Lama. I was going to say Martin Luther King. Oh, when you said you're close, I thought, oh, is it going to be Martin Luther King? <laughs> Damn. Okay. The, the thing is, I, I'm, I'm almost tempted to give you half a mark. I'm not going to, but <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I, in fact, I'll give you half. Because you got okay. one of the the two that I wanted, but it was I, I knew that you knew that somewhere in your head. If I'd have given you an extra couple of minutes, I think you'd have nailed that. Oh God! So so, so who else is it? I mean, what we're looking my, for with this exam is you know it's like about showing you working and yeah. showing that you understand the the character. And I think you've, you've done that with with, uh, yeah. with talking it through. Sadly, it's not worth anything. Um, <laughs> it's Martin Luther King and the Dalai Lama. Yeah. So you've you've kind of gone. For uh, you know Martin Luther King, yeah. Nelson Mandela, and the Dalai yeah. Lama, Mother Teresa. Oh. oh, right smack in the middle of that. Eight legs, six legs. Right Eight legs, six legs. Six legs. That's right. <laughs> you uh, don't get any prizes for guessing. <laughs> so, question number nine: Name the magazine Brent is on the front cover of as UK manager of the month. 
Inside paper. Inside paper. Absolutely. Oh, I mean, that's back on easy track. compared to yeah. this. That's right. Yeah. I'll, I'll... Inside the paper then. <laughs> 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 okay, question 10. And this is another one where I need two out of the four things that's mentioned. Oh, God. So... Name two of the four things that women find attractive, according to the magazine that Tim is reading in the staff room. That I is, don't think this is, is even in the memory bank. The set, when, I'll tell you what, when you were reading the setup to the question, I was getting myself very much prepared to say Milligan Everett. <laughs> when you said there were going to be four... <laughs> And yeah. now you've done this at me. Um, the four things that it says that you want two out of four that it says in the magazine. So the thing is, I think that my brain is much better for remembering remembering Brent stuff because I suspect that this moment isn't a particularly funny one. So I reckon I've just let it wash over me yeah. because it's Tim and it's a sort of romantic thing and yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you a fair. I'll give I'll give you a little bit of. I don't know if this counts as a clue or not, but it, it kind of, it's the build-up to the, uh, I like blacks. So it, it's not necessarily, okay. it's not necessarily the, okay. the, the main part of the scene, but it is yep. that build-up. It's setup, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's a good shout. That's why it could be okay. easily missed. So I'm going to say good sense of humour for one, maybe. It feels like the kind of thing that magazine would say. Is that correct? Yeah. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll give you a. I'll give you a clue. It's physical features. Physical features on a man that a woman would like. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Just think about yourself. You know, <laughs> what you got? Yeah, yeah. That that is definitely not going to help us. <laughs> um, my god uh no not a clue it's just it's not even close so go on put me on my misery okay so you could have as could have eyes smile flat stomach or buttocks just buttocks not what they look like or all all of which um gareth nods along to say yep yeah yeah Yeah, that like i said I, I don't think there's any other guest that we've had on there's that no would have got that. that there's no shame in that at all and Absolutely not. that was hard that was hard I, I mean i think the previous one should have done better i feel my <laughs> other failures are down to me but that is hard like when you said those answers it wasn't like something clicked in my head yeah I'd... actually s club as well i don't think i would have got if you'd given me an hour <laughs> no i think I... the song the song goes amiss, doesn't it? It's just that scene's taken over <laughs> with. The, the, the I'm going to give, give you one in the can because it's just popped into my head. So Ooh. I'm going to question allowed? the questioners. Here we go. Unorthodox, yeah. see me. Um, okay, so in the same scene as the S Club 7 one, um, there is a shot of Tim looking kind of very miserable, looking over to Dawn while he sat in his chair. What song is playing in that moment? Oh. I know this, but I can't. I can hear it. I can't think of it. It's definitely a tie-in to the uh, to the script. Quick, go on YouTube. <laughs> oh, that's what I thought to Google. Yeah, this will definitely be one of those that after will be like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Because yeah, there's a few that sort of um, there's a few that kind of play into the um, like the the episodes, don't they? They they almost sort of soundtrack it perfectly with 
the song parodies the. Uh, well, it it it, the it shows all the way through to the so, Christmas special. The the music score and the timing of it all is absolutely brilliant. There's no, yeah, it's right, unrivaled. Yeah. Um, I I personally, I'm not going to get this. I can't think what that um, what that era would have been as well, because oh, is it 10 cc? Is it? I'm not in love. Because it's the ooh, fair play, amazing, outstanding. Yeah, because I think I, it's really nicely done. Because obviously that song, the narrator in that song clearly is in love. Yeah. So it's like a really, really good choice because Tim is sort of trying to convince himself that he isn't, even though he clearly is. And uh, yeah, it's a really, really good moment. That's a great Just question. Face. <laughs> you should love see this. You should see the smug look oh, on Sam's oh, face. Your shit. Your shit. I'll do the questions, and you two can have this. I'll give you three. <laughs> two more if you need them. That is excellent. <laughs> uh, I that's, made, that's made my night. Thanks. Thanks. Right, anyway. I enjoyed that. See you later. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the, it being flipped on his head. You know, you got people coming in here with their rule book. Yeah, he doesn't pay by the rules. Yeah. Basically, I just want to prove how hard it is to get a song from that scene. But unfortunately, one of you actually managed to get it. Well, you <laughs> know, sometimes uh, an amateur will stick with a professional. <laughs> I have to say that that is a um, that is a particular favourite of mine, only purely because of the scene. Literally, yeah. that song I would I would not know it exists if it wasn't for this show. So, uh, and there's something about it that yeah, is amazing. So thank you, thank you for uh, putting that back. I think we know what the outro music is going to be. We've definitely used it. I think. I think we've used it somewhere on this. To, to be this fair, series. we've we've recently released our um, Peep Show crossover um, with the podcast um, Secrets of the Pharaohs guys, and the S Club Seven S Club Party song was the outro to that podcast. So that's uh, partly why that's, that's so fresh in the memory. There we go. Makes um, sense. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think uh, that's that, that's a strong uh, quiz performance, and I don't know. Is there any extra credit for having a, having coming prepared with a question? Maybe, yeah. oh, well, although he didn't, it was off the cuff. <laughs> but yeah, if I think it was impromptu. Yeah, it probably even makes it a little bit better. <laughs> I almost feel like we need to wait this because that's six and a half out of ten. Oh, that's but, way harder than anything I, we've done. But, but there's been some of the some of the quizzes that we've given. And I think after I've felt a little bit, I felt like I've I've not done myself justice in making them hard enough. However, let's look at it um, like golf, the handicap. Yeah. Not the not the wheelchair ones. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, if you're that good, then you play off a, obviously your handicap, yeah. isn't it? So, I mean, you have to, know, you have I, to tailor it to the. I'm going to I'm gonna put this one a bit like with Top Gear. You know, when they have a wet lap. <laughs> I'm, go- I'm, I'm gonna have it like that. I'm gonna put this one as a as a T, the okay. toughest. Yeah, because yeah. I think that's still a great. And that there's, I know for a fact that there's guests that we've had that would get less than four oh, out of those. Yeah, easily, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So. I, I would I would disregard any um, sort of numerical value of the quiz and know that you have our respect. <laughs> and that's what really matters and that is what I want <laughs> would have preferred it individually <laughs> uh, that is that is brilliant um, I mean 
I, I think it's a perfect way to end. We've probably taken an, up far too much of your time and uh, absolutely 100% <laughs> really appreciate you giving us some uh, some of your insight and absolute gold genuine gold insight that I don't think we'll get anywhere else so if you've listened to that and you've got anything that comes even close then get in touch please yeah this is what we need to be this is the standard now the bar's been raised it, it really has <laughs> genuinely absolutely you, loved it thank you, you so much for having me on that do you want to give yourself a shout out with your socials and all that sort of somewhere people can find your work yeah sure um, I'm Darren Richmond on Twitter that's at Darren Richmond D-A-R-R-E-N-R-I-C-H-M-A-N um, you will occasionally find me writing about comedy and that kind of thing um, yeah I guess that's the place to find me really we can, we can send some, some links out and stuff like that to, to where people can find you yeah, um, we have. Um, obviously, yeah, we haven't really touched on what, uh, your your work as such, but um, yeah, your is it kind of more of the review um, scene? I guess so would would that be fair to put to put you in that category? Uh, it's kind of yeah. a, a bit of not, both. In a, not in a label um, me kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> um, a bit of both. So I sort of writer and journalist. Um, I've got one sort of fairly big project that I've been working on for years that I will be announcing very soon hopefully um but I, I can't really say too much about it at the moment bit of well, mystery there interesting. but hopefully in the next week or two um is this going to be a ricky gervais dance moment <laughs> <laughs> oh god i hope so <laughs> um yeah and uh i write for the independent write a bit about sport a bit about culture arts comedy that kind of thing um film a fair bit um yeah and a few sort of um extracurricular sort of writing things one of which as i say i should have an announcement on in due course with any luck that is exciting exciting. yeah um, uh, so yeah make sure you go and follow uh follow darren to uh to stay up to date with that one um one last question for me have you ever won any pulitzers you don't want to put it so for film. <laughs> Fantastic. That's brilliant. Darren, well, thank you so much. Yeah, you really, have a great really night. Really, appreciate that. And, um, Thanks a lot. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll speak to you very soon, I'm sure. Yeah. Cheers. See you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> what an interview. Wow, yeah. Very impressed with that one. Very that, enjoyable. That, yeah. I don't want to say it's the most enjoyable, but it was, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was very, very good fun. It's good laugh. And yeah, good insight, solid knowledge. Very, very interesting. You know, yeah. the, the Ricky Gervais story. That must have been incredible for the whole series to go. Yep, yeah, I know a bit of dance that's coming, <laughs> and then wait to finally hit. Yeah, I, I would have been dancing. The swagger. I would have been going along. Just with walking it. along with your balls out, lads. <laughs> told you. Got it. You know, dancing. Um, I reckon yeah. though that story we didn't we we probably didn't tell him enough but that that showed his talent. I was on edge. Yeah. I didn't know. I mean at first I was thinking where's he how's is he going to catch up with him? Is he going to miss him before he goes into the building? What's he going to say? Oh, yeah. That's, a, that's exactly the 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 noise you make is that. Times I was I was angry. I was upset. <laughs> There's one point I was aroused. So, you know, it's got levels. Was that bit when he held the door open for the lady? Oh yeah, you love good manners. <laughs> no, very good guess, and um, yeah, hopefully we'll we'll get to speak to him again. He's a a good a good lad. Yeah, it's definitely. Lad. Uh, we'll 
to be fair, Darren's pretty big on Twitter with us, isn't he? We often mm-hmm. have a, a little, you know, quote offs. So yeah, just just get amongst it. Come and say hello. You know, if you see three debauched drunkards in the corner, <laughs> right. yeah, come over. Yeah, we're like Vic and Bob, aren't we? One extra one, definitely. Um, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed that. There's a few more, um, I guess, guests in the pipeline. We say it. A few more that just, we want to try and get some different insights from. Just, just more of these, really. Opportunities, really. <laughs> no, there's a there's a few. February, unexpectedly, is a ridiculously busy month for us both. Um, so it's it's tough schedule wise, but we're we'll, we're trying to fit trying to fit a couple in. We've got um, a few that. We're all kind of ready to go. It's just finding a date, isn't it? Yeah, it's. Uh, um, I mean, we sound fucking big time. This <laughs> <time>. <laughs> yeah, I've just got like a few appointments now. It's just so so busy. Um, uh, mostly, uh, I'll be honest. I've been painting <laughs> <laughs> badly. Oh, terribly. Yeah. Um, oh, it's all right. Well, if, there might be a decorator out there that can help, but yeah, I painted the wall. It all peeled up. So what's all that about? <laughs> literally finished peeled off so yeah personally I don't think you let the first coat dry enough but you know we'll carry on oh um, <laughs> don't you know um, yeah so we're, we're we're working hard to uh, to get some decent get guests. some big names and yeah big we time have, we have got some surprisingly big names I don't, I don't want to sort of jinx wow. it or, yeah, or say nah. but Wow. Yeah, we've got yeah. we've got some very good guests lined up. So fingers crossed, we actually find a time for all the diaries to align. If you know of anyone that's a big fan, yeah, that's a big name. Well, we, Maybe your mates with I don't know, somebody wrote the show. <laughs> we we say this on Twitter a lot. If there's if there's someone you know that you think is a massive fan, and you think other people would find interesting, then. Let us know. Send us a DM or is this just... is this getting into the realm of like nominating someone? A bit like Jim will fix it. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you can be Jim. Or, uh, um, yeah, yeah, but it's it's interesting to know. And there are, I mean, people like to listen to famous people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to answer the phone and be like, "What are you doing here?" Yeah, no, I think that I think that's fair. And it, and look, the quiz we've got to mention the quiz, so. Yeah. He's going to be disappointed, but he shouldn't be. Yeah, the score... The score all, itself, on paper, it looks terrible. It's almost irrelevant in this case because I really have gone deep. There's some tough questions there, and that was my point I was going to make. If you think you can you can do better on the quiz, that's the, that's the level. You think I'm getting eights, nines, tens on that. If you knew the song, if you knew that song, that's good. I mean, I don't expect you to get it like I did. <laughs> um, you know, some of us... I've got this knowledge, it's in there. But it's what we do. No, it's what I, mean, I do, one, trust one, me. One thing that we might look to bring back is um, is a bit more of the random quizzes. You know, yeah. We, we haven't had... We haven't had any midgets. We haven't had midgets for a while. No. Um, I mean, I'm very pleased with it, but that, that interview with Darren was almost, almost too sensible for us. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of nonsense, but, you know, but what, maybe that's what they want. Yeah. Um, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, there's only one song that's relevant and could be the outro for this week. Stick it on. We'll uh, we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>